The title for this morning um, is The View from Eternity. Wondering whether I'm thinking, that's a good title, that. I'm thinking, have, have I peaked already? That, is, that, is that the best bit? <laughs> it's all down here from, from, from this point. But um, the Lord has really kind of been, it's a strange one. This normally God doesn't give me a subject to speak on. This is just I want to share my heart. Is that okay this morning? So however it, however it, it comes out, it comes out. There's some, there's some sermons you can put your bullet points down, you can, you can do it and you know it's going to come, you know how it's going to structure and it's just some that you have no idea. So this is one of those. So seatbelt in, <laughs> let's crack on, all right? So uh, you don't have to turn to it, but uh, Psalm 93 verse 1 and 2 says, The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. It's good to know that the world is established firmly and securely. And so is your life. And when it, it's this element of eternity I want to touch on um, this morning. And by no means, there, are, there were literally just ridiculous amounts of scripture that you could go to. So I've, I've, I've not done a fill, because we know we fill. You're always going to get scripture for everything. I've not done that, um, but I've, gone, I've got a few bits. And in another, in another scripture, Ecclesiastes 3. 10 and 11, you'll have heard this. Pastor Sony mentioned this uh, not so long ago. It says, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. So we know that God is from all eternity. So the hu- but the human mind is not conditioned to fully comprehend the et- eternity. Our brains are not, are not set up so that we can fully fathom all that God is. It's beyond what we, what we, can, what we can fully understand or imagine. But we do get aspects. We get aspects. God has given us the ability to understand aspects of eternity, aspects of his eternity, which is why he's put eternity into our hearts. He put it there on purpose. So we serve an eternal God. The throne was established in eternity. The heavens are in eternity. And we were created in eternity. I was amazing when I think about that. I wasn't created in my mother's womb. I was put together in my mother's womb, but I was created in eternity. We are eternal beings in human body. And mind. But as we were created in the secret place, our DNA is spirit, which is eternal. See, I, I said this thing to our young people the other day. I said, you know, so many people, and there's so many movies you see where they always try and find, you know, the cure to, or not the cure, but the, the potion to for eternal life. You know, the thing is, everyone is going to live forever. The only thing that's not decided is where you'll spend forever. We're all on the, on the same platform right now in this body, but we will all live forever. And that in itself just is a bit like, whoa. Because my brain's like, what do you mean I'm going to live forever? But it says in Psalm 41, 13, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and Phil found the scripture where he says, Amen and Amen. Now, this is the part. We know that God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. Which allows us to conclude this. All things in eternity are certain. 
doubt does not operate in eternity. Because if I know the beginning and I know every stage until the end, I can be certain of the outcome, I can be certain of the middle, I can be certain of the end, of the beginning. You know, I watched the other, the other night, there was a, a great football match on uh, Spain and Portugal, and it was 3 all. And you know it's really good, because the BBC have the BBC now got a bit of football, because the World Cup, they, re, they, they, they did what's called BBC Replay, where they just replayed the match again, in full. Now, anyone who's seen that match will know exactly how every goal scored, when every goal scored, every foul that takes place, and how the entire game pans out. So they are watching the entire process, knowing at every point what's going to happen. There's no doubt when you do that. There's no doubt when you do that. You know exactly what's going to happen. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we were able to live life like that? It would be lovely to know, although some of you say, no, I don't want to know, that might scare me. But it would be nice to know, for at least in part, how things are going to turn out. But we don't because we're not God. But we have an eternal God that knows the beginning from the end. And we know that, he, that there is, all things are certain. Because why? Because when God speaks, it says he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forevermore. So whatever he says sticks. Yeah? But 1 Peter 1, 24, 25. See, I've got more scripture than, than you thought. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The word that comes from the Lord is eternal and spoken from that place. This is why we know that when the last second of time clicks... So imagine the very end of time, that point when that last second clicks, the word of the Lord will be as strong, as relevant, as powerful, and as enduring at that point as it was the very first day it was spoken. Blows my mind when you look at it in all of eternity. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of background before I start speaking what I'm really trying to say this morning and in Romans 12 2 it says this do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good his pleasing and his perfect will so we know that there is a God who is eternal His throne was established before time. We know that God lives outside of time and God knows the beginning, the middle and the end and everywhere in between. But then he gives us his will. And in his will, he has woven his will through the entirety of time. From every point of time, he has woven his will intricately into every single part of reality and time. He's, this, he's done his homework, hasn't he? And that will is three things. It is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. Why can we know that it's perfect? Because all things in eternity are certain. Because when God set his plan, he already knows how it's going to end. So he already knows when he makes a decision here, he knows what the outcome's going to be. And this is the point, I'm, this is one of the things I want. I want to... To talk this morning, I want to ask you a question. Do you trust God? Really? Do you trust God? Well, let me ask you another question. Do you trust God in part or do you trust God in all situations? Really? Interesting. But there's also some silences as well. Because this question sounds easy. 
Do you trust God? Of course I do. Of course I trust God. What a silly question. I believe in him, don't I? Yeah. I'm a Christian, aren't I? Yeah. I've got a church, don't I? Yeah. I pray, don't I? Yeah. Of course I trust God. You see, let me ask you this then. Do you trust God when it comes to giving money? Do you trust God when it says when it comes to praying for a stranger in public? Do you trust God when he wants to give a word of knowledge to somebody else? Do you trust God to dance before the Lord even though it may look like a fool in front of other people? Do you trust God if he tells you to go and make a choice which absolutely boggles your mind? Because you see the thing is we can say we trust God. But why is it that in mo- many parts of our lives we don't, we don't. We say we trust him. And we go, yeah, I trust God. You might trust that he is God. And you might trust that he loves you. But do you trust him every day? Do you trust whatever he tells you? Because I'd like to think that if we all could say yes to that question, we would have a very different church. There would be a very different nation. We would, have a, we would be a very different people. So the reality is, it's not so certain that we actually trust God in the way we think we trust him. Or in the way we profess maybe that we trust him. And we're talking, we're talking and we have been talking, and we'll keep on talking, and you probably get bored of us talking, about turning the church inside out. But how am I supposed to get someone else to trust God if I can't trust him? How can I get someone else to trust in a God that I don't trust? Because that's slightly hypocritical, isn't it? You trust him, but I'm I'm all right. <laughs> I like him. He's a cool guy, but yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll refrain from that. I'll pretend I didn't hear the Lord in that moment, because it's okay, and it's all right that we that we that this that we we feel like this. It's okay that we doubt because we're not God. We don't live in eternity. But the issue is this: is that our trust maxes out when we lose. The perspective of eternity. God gives us the ability to access the heavenly realm. God gives us the ability to access all of eter- the all the things that are eternal because He is eternal. But in reality, in this world there is doubt. In this world there is question. In this world there is uncertainty. But in heaven nothing is uncertain. There is no doubt. It does not exist. God's word is, will remain. God's word endures. God's word is truth. God never changes. And the word says God cannot lie. So why don't we trust a God that can't lie? And I want, to, I want to show you a story. I want to, I want to give you an account this morning um, from 1 Kings. So you can turn to 1 Kings if you want. 1 Kings 17. You, might, you probably know. No, but this, this really... This is, this is the, the, the passage that God highlighted to me this morning. You see, the only reason... One of the only conclusions that I can come to, why don't I trust God, is because I'm not always sure on God's intention. I'm not always sure that God knows what he's doing. Because why else would I say no? Why else would I hold back? Why else would I refrain? See, because some of us, let me ask you this, this now. Some people might say, oh, I don't, I don't, I've, never, I've never not trusted God with money. But the issue is, have you ever put yourself in a position where you allow God to ask you to do anything with money? You might say, well, I've always been obedient when God's asked me to, do, to, to speak to someone. 
But how many times are you open to allow God? How many times have you given God permission to ask you to speak to somebody? When God directs your, when you're talking about directing your life, because remember, this is not just about speaking to other people. And I'm going to show you through this scripture. So before I get ahead of myself, let's go to, so we're in 1 Kings 17, verse 8 and 9. So this is Elijah. So Elijah has just declared to Ahab that there will be no rain in the land until I give the word, right? So we, we can already know that Elijah at this point is a guy who's pretty switched on. We know that this is a man who follows God, who serves the Lord, because he's just gone to a king as a prophet, and he's gone and declared this to him, okay? So then, but then, after that, God then tells him, right, you need to leave this place because people don't really like you because of what you've just said. So I'm now going to ask you to go and live by a brook and let birds come and feed you. Now, the Bible, the one thing I've noticed about the Bible, it just says these things and expects us to go, yeah, that's normal. I'm just saying right now, right? If you go away and you leave your home, God tells you to leave your home where you live and says, go by this, by this hidden brook where there's some water and I'm going to get Tweety Pie to come and bring you some meat and bread every morning, every night. That's not normal. That's, if God said to me that, leave Ornshaw and you're going to go to Slough and there's going to be a bird that's going to bring takeaway to your house every night, I don't know if I'd be able to take that. But Elijah did, so we'll give him some credit for that. And God sustained him. So we know that Elijah is on an assignment. An assignment which is the assignment which is in the, the perfect, pleasing, and good will of God, right? So can we agree on that? Elijah's on assignment. So he's on an assignment which, which actually affects the nation. Because when you say rain ain't falling on the land, that means it's affecting everyone. I mean, can you imagine if God said rain will not fall on Manchester for three years? I mean, at first you'd be like, get in. I can have a barbecue in peace. But you know what it's like in England. You have no, you have no water for three weeks and suddenly there's a hose pipe ban. And suddenly you can't have a bath anymore because, it's, you know, because you've got to, it's, it's, yeah. So, in verse 8 and 9, the, the word of the Lord came to, to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have instructed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, if that was me, I could, I could trust God with that. And you're going to go to a place... And someone's going to meet you there, and they're going to give you food, and they'll sustain you. I, I like that. I can trust that, yeah? Sounds, but this is what I say, when we say, do we trust God? Yeah, I can trust God at that level. Let's read on. So in verse 10 to 12. So he went to Zophath. Good, bad. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called out because he's realized this is the the woman. Oh, and and bring me please a piece of bread. So good so far. He's met the widow. She's going to go and get the water. So this is the woman. So it's all all right. God said he'd look after me. She's going to sort in it. And then she's re- and then and then surely as the Lord and then she as, as she was going to get it he called and says this and then surely as the Lord your God lives she replied I don't have any bread only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die so hang on a minute. I thought this was going to be, can you imagine Elijah going, okay, so God, you've told me to leave Tweety Pie and go to a widow. That's fine. She's going to give me food. She's going to give me water. Except she has nothing left. She has no bread. And she's so impoverished, she's having one last meal and she's going to die. And you want me, and you wanted me to ask her for food. Imagine going to a homeless man on a street and saying, 
do us a favor and we go get me a meal. He's just good. Just think about, and all of a sudden you're thinking, God, what are you doing? Because this doesn't make sense. And in our natural mind, don't know about you, but that will be making me go a bit like, now I feel really bad. Because I'm asking a woman who's on literally death's door to go and say, I know you've got a little bit of flour, I know you've got a little bit of oil, but whatever you've got, I want it. Because God said In my human understanding, that does not make sense. That does not look like God is very fair on this woman. But here's this point. The Lord will only say anything to someone who has a heart that is open to be spoken to. He could say that to Elijah... Because he knew Elijah was open for him to say what he needed to say. That's why I say, some of them might go, yeah, well, God's not asked me to do anything. Well, is there a reason for that? If our hearts are closed, we can walk around thinking we're doing fine. But actually, we just never put ourselves in a place where God can ask us to trust him. So you don't have to trust someone if you're on your own. If you walk on your own, you don't have to trust anybody. Because if you don't trust anyone, no one can hurt you. And we have to, and, and so the Lord said, do you trust me, Paul? Do you trust me? When I ask you to do something, do you trust me? But do you trust me to I'll open your heart so I can ask you anything? Because it's in the, what I'm not prepared for him to ask me, that's where I find the measure of my heart towards my father. It is interesting how some people never feel convicted or prompted to do certain things. And as and it was just said, because we don't put ourselves in a position for God to do that. Without the perspective of eternity, and I say eternity, the heavenlies, our mind cannot comprehend what God will ask us to do or is asking us to do. If you do not have that, that sense of eternity, the sense of the heavenly, that perspective that he is the beginning and the end, the moment you lose that perspective, the only one you've got is the understanding that you have, which is limited to our human thinking. The Bible doesn't elaborate because it just, it just says it as it is. But it took faith for Elijah to ask an impoverished woman to make him some food. And, in, and if you carry on in verse 13 and 14, it says, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have, from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. You see, the moment we trust the word of heaven and we act in obedience to it, then all of eternity can then begin to flow through us. Elijah, the moment he said, okay, I'm going to ask her anyway. This makes no sense. I feel bad. This is, God, what is going on here? But I'm going to ask her anyway. So, okay, so you've only got a bit of flour. You've only got a bit of oil. Go make some bread. But before you do that, make me some. And with whatever's left, which you've pretty much told me there's nothing, then, then you can have whatever's left. But then, the word of the Lord comes. Why? Because now eternity is, is in your heart. Now all of heaven and what is possible is now inside of you and heaven can now begin to flow out of you. You doesn't have to think about it. He didn't pause. He just spoke it. And he says, the jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not grow until the day of the Lord, until he sends rain. So all of a sudden now, heaven is now interceding because someone was willing to trust what God asked. Elijah didn't know what was going to happen. He knew he just had to ask the question. And after asking the question, then he begins to find out that God has a plan already afoot. He's just waiting for someone to say yes to start the plan off, to, 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 to start the ball rolling. So, 
in verse 16, 15 and 16. She went away and did as Elijah told her. Which means that this lady had some faith that this was a man of God. There was a trust on her part. It wasn't just Elijah. She could have said, on your bike. It's my bread and my flour and my oil and my death in the way I want it to be. When a woman says we are going to eat and die, that is a pretty grim place. But still, faith rose up in her because she saw a man that asked her in such a confident way. He didn't, he didn't say, look, I know this sounds ridiculous and I'm really sorry to have asked you this, but I'm really, really apologised, but would you please, if you don't mind, go and make me some, give me something. He just spoke it with authority and confidence. When God asks us to do something, how we, how we speak the word is how it's received. When God asks us to do something in any, whether it's to speak to a person or make an action, how we respond determines the response of others. So she went away and did as he told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. You see, the word not only blessed one, but blessed three. There was also a son. You see, when God asks you to do something, you only think about how it affects you. We only think about how it affects us. But when you are an eternal God who has woven a plan that is perfect and good and pleasing through every element of time, there is always more than just you in the picture. There is always more than just you. Heaven is certain about all things. So God knew that he was using Elijah, who was on his own journey, who was on his his own mission. But while he was on that mission, he saw this woman and her son. And so not only was Elijah sustained, because he was on his mission from God, but this woman was also sustained, and now her son But it doesn't just stop there. The perspective of of eternity knows the fullness of every instruction and every situation. But it says here that in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah, when God speaks, he always backs up his own word. That is the confidence that we must have, the trust that we must have, that when God says something to us, he will always back it up. But so many times we don't. We're afraid to hear the word of God in case. We're afraid for God to ask us something in case. Because what we're essentially saying is, God, I'm not sure if you know what you're doing. We might not say that. I go, God, I trust you. I trust you, but I don't want to do that. Because I don't understand the perspective of what you're doing. But Eternity is always certain. The perspective of God is way beyond what we see. So 1 Kings 17 to 19. Let's have a look at verse 17 and 19. The story goes on. Sometime later. So now God, this jar has been working overtime. This jar is working. It has not run dry. It has not done that. The word of the Lord is there. So not only is Elijah established in the word of God, that he not, not only he, does he now know that God kept his word and has kept on keeping his word, this woman now knows because she's still alive, because she's not dead, because she's been fed, there is, there, they've been able to live and dwell together. Sometime later though, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what, you do, what, do you, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Elijah's earlier obedience to God's word is the only thing that gave this woman the faith to give her child to Elijah. For in the flesh, no parent at that moment would just hand her child over. 
Can you imagine if, I tell you now, if, if all of a sudden Jake's got ill and started to stop breathing. Unless you're a paramedic, I ain't giving my son to anyone. Because I'm a parent. And the one thing a parent doesn't do is let go of the kids. But there was something that even in the midst of this woman's despair, she handed her child over to Elijah. Despite what she was saying, why have you, have you come to do all this just for my son to die? So again, Elijah could be left going, God, what is going on? Why did you bring me here? I trusted you. And now look, I'm being blamed for the death of a child. That's quite a heavy conscience to have. But Elijah responded immediately. Because when you have the eternity of heaven, you are still aware that even when things go in a direction we don't understand, there's a higher purpose for what is happening. God is still in control of every situation, even though I don't get it. And sometimes we have to, in our lives, keep going when we don't understand. So many times we stop because we don't get it. We try to work it out before we move on. But God doesn't work like that. He works in the way he works. He works from the perspective of eternity. He works from the perspective where there is no doubt. There is no, there is no misunderstanding. I am very clear about what I am doing. You just don't know yet. I'm just asking you to trust me. To keep on moving in the direction that I'm moving in. And so Elijah then carried him, and I like this phrase, this use. He says, he took him from Arams and he carried him to the upper room. Now we all know in Acts, when we use the word upper room, it has a different meaning. He, he took, he took him to the place where he was staying. And so in God, whenever we work, we have to always take every situation, take every moment, we have to take it to the upper room and say, God, give me your perspective on what is going on right now. In our life, we will not allow God to trust if we don't ask him. God is not such an unloving God that he won't tell you what's going on. We must bring every situation to the perspective of eternity and submit it to that place. It's the upper room where we go to. It's the upper room where we intercede. It's the place where we're saying, God, I've only got my perspective. I need yours. If we cannot become a people who are able to do that, we will constantly shy away from doing anything out of the ordinary. We will constantly stay insular and we will never go outside those doors because you will always be afraid of what you don't understand. And you will always be unsure whether God's intentions, although you can read the scripture in the Bible and go, that's awesome, it's, un, it's not relatable to your life. So in verse 20, 23, then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing a son to die? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house and he gave him to his mother and, and said, look, your son is alive. Even though his mind was questioning what was going on, his spirit still knew what to do. We are constantly in a battle between our spirit and our mind. Our, our spirit can be sure because our spirit is attached to the eternal. But our mind is always unsure because our mind is constantly worrying and thinking. Our mind is constantly worried. It has all the emotions of life. It has the opinions of men. It has the, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what about this? And all the possibilities of life. And it can completely and utterly stun everything we do. But our spirit must lead our mind. Our spirit must be so, Ill and, and so attached to the eternal that we are always able to trust this certainty of heaven even if we don't see it. Elijah did not know what was going on but he knew what to do in his spirit and he cried out to the Lord. 
and the boy lived. And it, and it says in, ver, in 24, the last verse, Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. You see, what, was, what amazes me about this passage is that even though God is the God of the nations, he still thinks about you. God engineered that entire situation to ensure, because God knew this boy was going to get ill, this, the, the, the God knew this woman was impoverished, and he sent a man completely out, the, out, of, out of back and beyond just to tend and make sure this woman knew that God was with her. That just blows my mind. But you see, it's, you see, because it's never about us, but it's always about us. Because God's plan is good, pleasing, and perfect. And it comes down to God. When I ask about why do I doubt, it is when we not just lose sight of the, etern- of the eternal, It's we lose sight of God's intention towards us. We forget what my dad said in the the scripture that all of this was set up. All of everything we see is set up so that we may know God as they know, as they are one. That we can be one as they are one. That entire complex series of events from running away from a king to sitting in a brook with birds feeding you to then go to ask a woman who's about to die for food to then see her sustained only for her son to almost die it was all because God wanted to show both of them how much he loved them see when we look at when, when God is directing your life and our lives, it's not just about you. It's, the, it's what that decision then does to everybody around you. When we, when, you know, I was, I was in, and I'll tell you my own my thing, I was in Sainsbury's a few weeks, a few couple of months ago, Pastor Tony, and I saw a lady with a headband. And it's, you know when a woman's got no hair, so she puts a headband on. So I knew, chances are, this was probably something like cancer or something like that. And I just said to God, God, touch her life. He went, okay, go and pray for her then. Um, well, Pastor Tony's with me, and Em's with me, and Auntie Carol's with me. We're having some food's just arrived. I bottled it. I bottled it. I didn't do it. Because right in that moment, I did not. Trust God's intention. I was more worried about what would happen if, it, if nothing happened. What if she said no? What if I looked an idiot? What about, it's all about me. I lost the sight of eternity. I lost the intention that God, it's not just about me. Because there was a woman sat with that lady. It's not up to me whether she responds or she doesn't respond. My job is to be obedient to that which God is asking me to do. That I trust God so intrinsically, so resolutely, that it doesn't matter what action he asks me to do, I trust that he has the eye of eternity. He knows what's already going to happen. He knows the effect. He knows what could, who knows what could have happened. If I'd have just been faithful. And trusted God at his word. So when I say, do we trust God? Do we trust him to say anything to us? And that whatever God prompts us to do, whatever God prompts us to say, and this doesn't matter whether it's about you or somebody else. Because if you can't trust God in your own life, you're never going to trust God for someone else. We're never going to trust him for anybody else. But we must be a house that is stationed in eternity. You see, it says in in 1 Peter 2, 6 and 8. No, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 17. When it talks about love, it always protects. 
It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. The love of God is always out to protect us. The love of God is always trusting us. Do you realize God trusts us with his word, even though we're not worthy of his trust? God trusts us to represent him on the earth, even though we don't even trust him. He trusts us more than we trust him. And he's the all-powerful one. That doesn't make sense. But why? Because he loves us with such a passionate love that he sent his own son to die just so we could know him. Just so that he could then use us to let someone else know him. That he always hopes, God always hopes in you. He knows what you're going to do, but he always hopes in you. He always has hope for you because love always has hope. And love always perseveres. That's why God is always persevering with your life. Even when we don't allow God to do anything with us. He's always persevering. In 1 Peter 2, 6 and 8 says, For scripture says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now you, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders reject has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. If we do not trust God, we will stumble and we will fall. But the moment we trust him, it is precious and we will never be put to shame. Because all of heaven backs us whenever we do anything for heaven and with heaven. But if we lose the perspective of eternity, if we lose the perspective of heaven, all we, we will always stumble and fall because we will always question the intention of God. But we must know. I love this, this scripture. We're going to finish in a second. In 2 Corinthians 4, 13 to 18, it says this. I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who has raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Everything God does is for your benefit. It's for our benefit. Because his will is good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. In perfection, there are no mistakes. When God asks us to do something, it's not a mistake. He's not got one wrong. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, when we look at, when we, when we understand heaven, we see what it's all about. We see what it's all for. And then that is what causes us to do it. Despite how it makes us feel. Despite how it, how it makes us appear. That is essentially, it doesn't matter how much, it doesn't matter how much we talk and we talk and we talk and we talk. If we do not trust the intention of God and we do not allow ourselves to be guided by the, by the certainty of eternity, we will never change. We will always stumble whenever something doesn't make sense. And we will never put our faith in those things. But because of that, we will never see the glory on the other side. And I don't want this to be a house that in 20 years time, it's a church that could have seen glory, but didn't. I don't want your life to be a life that could be so much more rich, enriched and full of, of blessing and joy. I don't want to see that miss out because we couldn't trust the God of heaven, who we profess to believe in. Because his love is unconditional. I love because I have first been loved. It says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. It's a momentary trouble. 
for an eternal glory. The, everything we do for Christ is a momentary trouble for an eternal glory. When I put it in that perspective, how can I say no? Oh God, you, are, you got me. You've got me. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Why don't we stand to our feet, if you would with me. I just want to read something to you. I'm just waiting for my pad to load up. There's a song that has been in my spirit all week. It's called Pieces. Some of you might know it. I'm just going to read the, I'm going to read the words to you. It says, Unreserved, unrestrained, your love is wild. Your love is wild for me. It isn't shy. It's unashamed. Your love is proud. To be seen with me. For you don't give your heart in pieces. And you don't hide yourself to tease us. Uncontrolled, uncontained, your love is a fire burning bright for me. It's not just a spark. It's not just a flame. Your love is a light that all the world will see. Your love is not fractured. It is not a troubled mind. It isn't anxious. It's not, re- it's not the restless kind. Your love's not passive. Your love is not disengaged. It's always present. It hangs on every word we say. Love keeps its promises. It keeps its word. It honors what is sacred because its vows are good. Your, it, his love is not broken. It's not insecure. Your love is not selfish. Yes, your love is pure. For he doesn't give his heart in pieces. When God created you before the beginning of the world, he saw you and intrinsically wove you into his eternal plan. His good, his perfect and pleasing plan. And God is simply saying, trust my intention to you this morning. Trust my intention towards you. That in every single thing I ask of you, in every single thing that I, I, I prompt you to do, it's because I have the eye of eternity. But because I love you so unconditionally, I love you so passionately, I would never do anything that would cause you to be put to shame. For those who trust in him will never be put to shame. So this morning, let's just raise our hands to heaven. So Father God, Father, words don't do enough for what is in my heart to describe this morning. But I pray, oh God, that this morning you open the heart of everyone in this room. And Father, open their eyes to the eternal. Open every eye this morning to the unseen. Father, let us look beyond what is temporary. Father, for our own lives, Lord, let us no longer, let us no longer walk as people who don't trust you. Let us no longer walk as people who are afraid that you will ask us something. Or because we are afraid of your intention. Because we're not sure whether we can cope we're not sure because we don't understand but my God let us see that you are the Alpha and Omega the first and the last you are from everlasting to everlasting that you reign on high that you are seated in power and we are our lives are established firm and secure in you because you love us with a greater love that cannot be expressed There is a love that cannot be expressed so deep and so passionate and so powerful is this love for us. So I pray, oh God, stir in us the eternal. Stir in us the unseen. Open our eyes, oh God, to that which you have planned for us. Open our eyes, oh God, to that which you have in store for us. Open our eyes so that, my God, when the time comes, in all circumstance, we are willing to say yes and amen. We are willing before you even open your mouth to say amen and amen. Amen. That Lord, we're not, we're not, we're not saying it depends on what you say. We're saying before you speak a word, I'm already saying amen. Amen to your word. Amen to your instruction. Because I know you will protect me. I know you will keep me secure. I know you pursue after me. And I know you will love me beyond all measure and beyond all fathom. Oh, holy God, right now. Come on, just ask him. Say, Lord God, this morning, 
Open my eyes to the eternal. Open my eyes to the eyes of heaven. Open my eyes to the certainty of heaven. Father, help me remove doubt from my mind. Help me remove doubt from my mind. Let my spirit, let my spirit lead my mind. Father, Ask him all. Ask him this morning, church. Father, thank you that you don't give your heart in pieces. Thank you, Father, that when you give yourself to us, you give it all. Oh, my God. just want to ask you that right now just many of you right now you've been toying and toiling and unsure of things that the Lord has laid on your heart and just as we're in the river this morning it's time to see what God has said with the eyes of eternity it's time to see it it's time to stop the wrangling and strain on your heart because it's making you sick. It's not healthy for you. Lord says, just trust my love towards you. And my word is true. Trust me that in the obedience and in the stepping out, the blessing is on the other side. Father, I pray right now for every heart in this room. Lord, let us have a foretaste of the other side. Father, as, we, as you open our eyes to the heavenlies my God let us see the future beyond what we are now let us see beyond our own circumstance let us see beyond where we are so that my God we may have courage like Joshua be brave and courageous Father, I pray for a brave and courageous spirit to rise up in everyone in this house. So whether or not it is in our own lives, our family's lives or to a complete stranger, my God, we are willing to put our trust in you in a fresh new way. For your eternal glory. Father, we thank you that you have a will. That you have a will that is working its way through every part of our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you connect all hearts by this will. You connect all lives through this will. And Lord, I thank you that all there are so many lives that we don't even know about that will be impacted by the things you will do through us. So, Father, give us this, give us the eyes of heaven. Give us the eyes to see the unseen and look beyond what is temporary. Father, we ask these things. We honor you. You are a good, good father. And we love you. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Hey.